That's in the Bible, episode 20, Was Jesus Christ Really God? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and joining me today are the regulars, Steve and Matt. How are you guys today? Doing good. Doing real good, thanks. And Matt didn't join us last time because apparently he had a computer malfunction, but he's got that fixed, and it sounds like he's back and ready to go, right, Matt? Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to have you back, Matt. Although we, Even though you took shots on me while I was gone and I couldn't defend myself. That's all right, brother. I understand. You're a fair game. <laughs> it's the Christian way. <laughs> Although we had an able substitute, Phil. Ah, uh, yes. With yeah, Mr. Matt. Jason. He's back to school now, huh, Steve? Yeah, he and David both are back down at school. So is the house quiet now? It is very quiet. I have one left and... Uh, uh, she's out and about doing a lot of things on her own, so uh, it's uh, it's pretty quiet. She's out texting. Text, yeah, <laughs> yeah, texting. That's her way. She's one of the fastest ones I've ever seen, man. She just flies. Amen. So, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. Just uh, came back from visitation again and, and had a good time, talked to a lot of people, and, and talked to some guys about my age. Their name's Ron and uh, Mike, and... And I uh, just gave them the gospel, uh, and they uh, I didn't think they would listen to me, but they did. So praise the Lord. And, and so if uh, anybody's listening, that uh, they can pray for Ron and Mike and just uh, pray for their salvation because uh, they were like, boy, this, this place is pretty bad to begin with. You know, I don't even really want to live, you know, saying stuff like that. So I said, well, hey, you know, you definitely have to uh, search it out, you know. And, and uh, I said, you think it's bad here, you know, and... I said it's just like going from the frying pan to the uh, to the oven, and and I said that's like the frying pan being on low right now, <laughs> compared to what hell's like, you know. And so, Amen. so it was a good witness. Amen. Amen. So what else? Uh, what else have we been been doing? Um, yeah, the summer's kind of a blur for me. You know, I spend uh, a majority of my time not at my day job in the summer because I work at a school setting and. And I kind of lose track of the days and, and uh, <laughs> vacation all the time. Yeah. Well, not all the time, but just well, uh, for, you know, most of the time out you know, of the while two- I'm working, slaving away, Eric is relaxing and taking his ease. So, well, that's good. Someone has to work. <laughs> I need you to support the economy and pay the taxes <laughs> so I can continue to enjoy, enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's uh, got to do it, Steve. You know that. Yeah, I know. I know. So why not me? I won't lie. I'm a little bit jealous that, that you have yeah. the suffers off, but, you know, that's all right. I think the Bible says something about envy and jealousy. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, Steve, will, Steve will tell us what that is. <laughs> Steve, find that verse for us. <laughs> well, God said he's a jealous God, so jealousy may have a good aspect to it at some point. Uh, we're certainly not supposed to envy, that's for sure. All right. Steve comes through in the clutch. Ah, uh, yeah, praise the Lord. So, what else is new? What else? How, how are things at your job? 
You talking to me? Yeah. Uh, things are going well. I mean, uh, we're busy. We're working a lot of overtime, and, and so keeping busy in that regard. Which is a good thing, right, with people losing their jobs? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of an indication that things are getting back. Um, you know, I say getting back. I mean, I don't want to give someone credit for something they didn't do, but <laughs> if you understand <laughs> the undertone of that. <laughs> I think uh, I do. But... Uh, <laughs> But things uh, things are picking up at least where we're at, and, and I'm appreciative for that. Uh, not considering all the hours, uh, you know, that we're putting in. Uh, preached uh, at a mission on Tuesday. Uh, had about nine people go down with us uh, from our church, and uh, you know, it was really a lot of fun because at our church, our people like to sing. And they like to sing loud. Most of them do anyway. <laughs> and uh, when we got in there, the guy that was leading the songs up there just kept looking over at us and like, wow, this is great. Man, you guys could sing. Why don't everybody sing like these guys sing? You know? and, and so we had a good time. A bunch of us guys got up there and sang a special and, and uh, you know, just regular, just singing a hymn. But, but we enjoy it and had a lot of fun and got a chance to preach. And then uh, Wednesday at our church, I'm, I'm doing a Bible study uh, on a uh, fourth Wednesday on, on church history and uh, did some things on, uh, on Baptist distinctives, why Baptists are who they are, and uh, some pretty interesting things. A lot of people, you know, even Baptist people don't even know what they, what they believe and what makes them Baptist. Uh, maybe that might be a, a, a podcast for a later time. Yeah. But uh, I, I understand that not everybody that listens to us is a Baptist, so I'm not really trying to exclude everybody. But, but uh, you know, and I am not one of those that believes that the Baptists were all the way to John the Baptist and all that kind of stuff. But Amen. The, uh, the things that, that Baptists believe today were believed by the early Christians. Now, they weren't called Baptist at that time, but they were the, uh, the distinctives. Uh, as I like to call them, instead of Baptist distinctives, call them believers distinctives, uh, irrespective of denomination or whatever they were called at that particular time. But you see a, a thread, a line that comes up through there, and we can trace our heritage all the way back there. Uh, we're not, Baptists are not Protestants, as many people think they are, they're not. And uh, Protestant, and just a simple definition, Protestant meant that they came out of the Roman Catholic Church. We were never in it to come out of it, so we're not we're not Protestants. And uh, so, just enough of a teaser. Maybe sometime we can go through some of those things, and maybe you might find that that you believe those things as well. And uh, um, you know, might consider what. Uh, where you're attending church and what you're doing and so forth. So, but uh, we've got a youth rally tomorrow and going to be leading the singing for that. And the choir is going to be singing and, and uh, uh, having a fellow by the name of John Marshall coming and preaching for us. A lot of uh, area churches are bringing their, their young people and uh, really looking for a good time and, and uh, been praying that uh, God would do some work in the lives of young people uh, that God would become real to them instead of just uh, going through the motions and playing church. You know, a lot of lot of young people will act on their parents' faith, and it's really not their own. And so, uh, you know, we we pray specifically that that God would get a hold of them and that the faith that they say they believe would become their own. Amen. 
and uh, that some young people there, there uh, you know, maybe visiting uh, with some of the other groups uh, would trust the Lord as their personal Savior, and others that are walking afar off would uh, get right with Him. So we're looking forward to that. So praise the Lord. Sounds good. But, is that is that the um, I had so I have some tapes from about twenty years ago from the Marshall family with a bunch of kids that all sang and played instruments and that's the same family. John uh, Marshall is one of the two boys of the I believe ten kids. I think it was ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only had two boys. He's the older of the two, and he's uh, over in Toledo right now as an assistant pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, the same place that my daughter's uh, attending church and going to Bible Institute. So. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, Matt, you're quiet. <laughs> I'm just listening. It's good. Yeah, we have uh, the State Fair started here in Syracuse, <clears throat> and um, uh, Buckley Road Baptist Church has their uh, booth out there. We just started today, and uh, so I'll be going to do that tomorrow night after after uh, work. So from 6 to 10, I'll be there, and <clears throat> that's a great, great thing to do. I know... Uh, Dad, you and I were at the booth there in Tri City Baptist Church at your church there for the Speedy Fest and the right. and the other fair that they had there as well. And in Binghamton, they've got the Speedy Fest and Balloon Rally every summer, and they also had the uh, Broome County Fair. So right. we we manned the booth at both of those places. Right, yeah. and it's it's just a really good opportunity. I mean, you get people going by, and they really have a different spirit a lot of times while while they're there. You know, they're there to have fun and and kind of let loose. And I think that actually lends to some opportunities to be able to witness to some people more than maybe other opportunities, maybe where you go door knocking on their door or something in their own territory. So, so it's good. I mean, we have. Uh, uh, the booth that has a table at the front and it has three doors, you know, and it says three things that God cannot do. And the ones, you know, God cannot lie, God cannot change. And then the third one is God cannot let anybody in the heaven unless they've been born again. Mm. And, uh, and we show them, um, right behind us, we have this huge banner that says, would you be 50, 75, 100% sure you're going to heaven? And uh, of course, you know, 99% of the time people would say that they're not sure, you know, or if they did say that they're sure when you, kind of dig deeper they say well i'm a good person or you know i'm I'm working my way i'm not there yet but i know 100 percent sure you know so it just doesn't make sense what they're trying to say and and uh so we do we we, we have tables set up in the back where we can sit them down and we can show them through the through the word of god what what god says how you can be 100 percent sure that you're going to heaven and just give them the whole gospel so it's it's been a blessing and then we just get a lot of tracks out there and you know some people that are going there just to have a good time and stuff when they walk by they get a they get a good dose of you know what are you doing with Jesus Christ you know so mm. it's it's uh it's a good time you know you know, you know what's ironic about that whole thing is that i think they almost come off or think they're coming off as being humble by saying well you know me go to heaven you know i'm not uh uh, you know, I'm not that nobody's perfect, so nobody could really know they're going to heaven, and you can't say that, otherwise you'd be bragging. You know, they right. they they come off with that humble thing, but then at the same time, they're relying on their works to, to get them to heaven, which <laughs> which is kind of bragging. You know, that you could mm. you could somehow get yourself to heaven through your own good works. Yeah. Um, so I, I it's just. It kind of it's an it's an opposite thing of what they, you know, the spirit they're trying to convey by being humble, but at the same time, yeah, I'm working my way to heaven. Yeah. So it's it's and and then they look at us and think, well, how can you say that? You know, that you know you're going to heaven. So it's always it's always kind of interesting. And we ran into um, 
you know, talk about being uh, taken in your own foolishness. You know, the we ran into a guy that claimed to be a uh, a Buddhist monk, and uh, but he he really believed that God is everywhere and God is in all things and. Jesus Christ, when he, you know, claimed, uh, this is talking a little bit about what you're going to be talking about here shortly, Matt, claimed mm-hmm. deity and claimed to be God. Well, you know, he was saying that he was God, but we're all God, and there's God in us, <laughs> and God's everywhere. And, and you know, it's it, it really it, man taking <laughs> at his own thinking, and, and it's just, it's just reaches new heights of absurdity. You know, they, they well, what about what the Bible says? Well, mm. Who knows what the Bible says? Well, I can show you right here what it says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, but, you know, again, there, there, but the grace of God to go I, because, you know, if I hadn't gotten saved and, and in the book. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we were all there at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise the Lord. He's long suffering. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And continues to be even, even uh, after we're saved. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, Matt is, uh, let's see. Now, Steve, yeah, Steve is going to bring us a quote of the day. Not exactly a quote, more of a uh, current event. And so uh, we're going to do our quote of the day. All right, guys, I got this out of the uh, Buffalo Evening News. Uh, July 22nd is the date of the paper. This is from Russia. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the city. But uh, Russian President Dmitry Medvedev uh, announced a pilot project Tuesday that will require students to take classes in religion or secular ethics. The proposal is part of the Kremlin effort to teach young, Russian, r- young, young Russians morals in the wake of the turbulent period of uncertainty following the collapse of the officially atheistic Soviet Union. Uh, Medvedev said preteen students at about 12,000 schools in 18 Russian regions would take classes. They will be offered the choice of studying the dominant Russian Orthodox religion, Islam, Buddhism, or Judaism, or they could take an overview of all four faiths, or a course in secular ethics. By 2012, the classes might uh, be expanded nationwide. The pilot project includes about 20% of Russians, Russia's schools. Now here you've got a country that has been anti-God for all of these years, ever since at least they turned to communism, and they've been preaching evolution and uh, that there is no God, they're an atheistic country, and the results of that are complete anarchy. Uh, The young people have no morals, no scruples, no uh, uh, understanding of right and wrong, everybody's out for themselves, The, the crime rate is going through the roof. And uh, every man, as it, as it says in the book of Joe, uh, Judges, every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. He's creating his own morals. And uh, so now they're trying to fight back and to, to uh, uh, you know, try to rectify the problem of a flawed um, 
social uh, program, if you will. Uh, the the only problem with this, and I and I applaud them really for the effort that they're doing, but the ethics and morals without the author of them is a flawed attempt to solve a problem. Without Jesus Christ at the at the head or the reason for you know, thou shalt not steal. Why shouldn't I steal? Because the God of this world said, thou shalt not steal. Amen. If you do, if you say thou shalt not steal, there's no authority to that. That's just your opinion. But when you say the God of the universe said thou shalt not steal, now there's authority. There's a reason for that. So you know they're trying to get some semblance of of morality there, and really they won't. They're, really, it'll, it'll be a failed attempt. But in in at in any event, Lord, I appreciate the fact that they recognize that they have a problem and that they need to solve it. Uh, you know, I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's it's a pretty amazing thing that uh, you have to go all the way over to Russia to find out that they want to start including this kind of stuff in the schools. Yeah, amen. And uh, they, they've that's a long way from where they used to be. Absolutely. You know, so they, they obviously do realize there's a problem and you know, at least they realize there's a problem, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there's a perhaps a smaller segment in our society that realizes there's a problem. Um, and, and even if they do realize there's a problem that, that um, you know, people are not as nice as they used to be or wicked and mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't know what the answer is to that. You know, they don't know, they don't realize that, uh, that it's, um, it's God. It's, yeah. It's God that we need to get back to, back to the Bible, back to mm-hmm. uh, Christianity, and not, not, uh, not, you know, not everything's God and everyone's God, and right, you know, it, love without God isn't isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. Uh, yeah, I think there's the result too of of really what that has produced of not teaching any Bible in school and and like Brother Steve said, any morals, any you know, thou shalt not do this because, you know, the holy God said of the universe and uh, what's what's come about that now <clears throat> is it's been, you know, a couple generations now, really, um, you know, that, that have come out of school now not believing in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and not believing the Bible and, you know, not even that, but not even believing, you know, just to do right. And, uh, and I was just talking to one of my friends from high school um, a couple days ago. She was actually texting me. And uh, she was saying she just got out of class. She's going back to college. And this young professor of hers, um, I guess it's this gentleman, I'm not sure of his name, but uh, it's a professor in a college. And he said, you know what? We're all going to die soon anyway, so just live life to the fullest and uh, just find a job that you, you know, can enjoy and just live it. You know, live your life and do whatever you want. And really, I mean, that's what's that's what's happened now because you know we've we've taught evolution in the schools. You're an animal, you know. You know, you come from an animal, so just you know, pretty much act like an animal, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what's come about it. And just live your life to your fullest. And when you do that, uh, you don't think about anybody else while you're trying to live your life. And and uh, you know that that's the whole Christian you know outlook in the Bible is that you know you're not living for yourself. You're living for the Lord, you know, because your body's been bought with a price, and uh, and you're also living for your neighbors as well. And uh, and this whole thing about you're out for yourself and, and all that just produces such a terrible and wicked you know generation that we have today. 
Well, you know, what you described there, that uh, professor describing that uh, philosophy of his is, is nothing new. That's found in the Word of God. It's called the Epicurean lifestyle. Yeah. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. He's not spouting off some, you know, uh, great words of wisdom that he came up with. Um, you know, they've had that philosophy for a long time, and it's proved to be a wrong philosophy. Uh, the scriptures teach uh, have taught against that. You know, what what they have in Russia is a case study for the United States to to uh, take a look at. Mm-hmm. You know, because what they're doing is mimicking. You know, without being quote atheistic country as as Russia has declared itself. I, I still think the United States would call themselves a Christian country, but they're a Christian country without God because they've taken God out of the schools, they've taken the Bible out of the schools, they've taken prayer out of the schools, all those kind of things. Anything in public life, they've, they've pretty much taken God out. And um, what, were, what they found in Russia is that there was no respect for authority, there was no respect for the elders, and the character of the individuals is, is next to nil. And if they wanted to know what the end result of what they are producing now by the lifestyle that they're trying to promote and by kicking God out, just take a look at Russia. And they realize that they've got to get it back. So, you know, they would do well if they heeded to that, but they, they're not going to. They, they have their own agenda. They have their own desires. They don't want something or someone, such as God, bothering their conscience for the way they live. They would rather be, uh, what is it, um, uh, guilt-free in living their lifestyle. And any time you bring God into it, it, it just tweaks their conscience, and they can't stand that. And that's why they want to get rid of God, so that they don't have to answer to anything. At least they can, you know, you ever see a two-year-old in the middle of the room, and uh, they put their, their hand over their eyes, pretending that nobody can see them because they've got their, ha- their eyes covered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's exactly what people are doing. They're going out, they're stark naked, like a two-year-old that has, you know, is not ashamed, and they're covering their eyes, thinking that God can't see them, and they're doing all their wickedness and all their ungodliness. And just because they've kicked God out of, quote, society... Uh, they're not going to have to stand in judgment for what they've done. Little do they realize whether they see him or not or recognize him or not, they're still going to have to stand in judgment. Yeah. And they're going to give an account one day. Amen. And I think, you know, a big problem with this also will be, you know, even if they try and bring out some kind of Christianity, and, and I know they're going to do uh, bring out uh, Judaism, but, but if you, even if they bring out Judaism or, you know, uh, or Christianity, you know, uh, New Testament Christianity, if they bring that out, I really believe, you know, it's, it's not going to be <laughs> uh, any, any good, really. I mean, you know, I know they're trying good, but, but you know, like Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. I, you know, I believe that, you know, most of the professors, maybe not all of them, but most of the professors will not be, you know, uh, they'll be on one side and they'll be against the Bible and against God, you know, because like you said, it, it really pricks the, them in their hearts and it convicts them. So they're just going to, you know, teach about, you know, religion or about the Bible, but the whole time they're doing it, just scoffing at it, you know, and, and, and have their own opinion about it, which, which I, I think will do more harm almost than good. 
Yeah. Another verse comes to mind just thinking of that and just thinking of the situation. It says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, they're going to have a form of godliness, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, trying to get in touch with, quote, some higher being, uh, which isn't God at all. It's an idol they've made up in their own mind. Um, but they're going to deny the power thereof. They're not even going to be close to the God of the universe. Amen. You know, I just heard recently um, they had on a, on the, on the news that um, antidepressants and and all kinds of other drugs like that are at an all time high in the United States. Mm-hmm. Sleeping pills, all time mm-hmm. high. I mean, <laughs> does anybody wonder why? Yeah, you know, that that people are so depressed and can't sleep. And you know, you had the case of what's coming out here recently with your. Um, pop idol michael jackson mm-hmm. he, he was taking a, a, a allegedly he was taking a um um a sleeping agent that that they used in operating rooms and only right. used in operating rooms to get to sleep at night yeah you know <laughs> you know so obviously there's there's people that and a lot of people that are not happy mm. and uh that are searching for something and they have to go to narcotics to to try and Try and dull that conscience, or or try and dull those senses, because mm-hmm. you know living without God doesn't work. Well, we have the peace of God that passes all understanding, and of course, Amen. someone that's lost and and never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. I'm not talking about not somebody that's not a religious person, but someone who has a personal relationship with God uh, has no inkling at all as to what that peace is. Uh, you know, in the midst of, of horrific tragedy, uh, you can still have the peace of God that can get you through things that uh, people in the, that are lost in this world, uh, you know, like you say, Eric, have to take something to, to medicate themselves and get them through. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Spirit of God living within us, the peace of God uh, uh, is a marvelous, marvelous thing. I'm still thinking of my friend here, you know, several podcasts ago, we, uh, we talked about uh, a benefit that we were doing for a guy that has, uh, I think it was 38, 39 years old, six kids, has ALS. Uh, he's been continu- continually digressing, um, but uh, his testimony is strong. He has a peace. Uh, he knows for sure where he's going to go when he dies. Um, you know, he knows his family's going to be taken care of, uh, you know, as far as the Lord is concerned, uh, he has peace about that. Now, does he miss him in, in a, in a physical way? Yes. I mean, just like any of us, but the peace of God gets us through what normal people can't get through. I mean, they would be so overcome with grief, uh, just at the, the thought of being separated from their loved ones in a slow and uh, painful way, yet this guy and his wife and his and his family are have a tremendous testimony, and I just praise God. What an example they've been! So praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Well, let's unless anybody has something else, let's go ahead and uh, head over to our lesson today, and I think this is a, a timely one as well. I I, I know that probably for all of us that we've talked to many people and we we hear from others that um you know say well you know Jesus Christ he was 
he was a good prophet, he was a good man. Um, you know, other religions say that about him. He was a good prophet, he was a good man. Most people don't um, doubt his existence as a historical character. It's whether or not he was God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. And Matt's going to bring us that. So, Matt, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, guys, thanks again, and uh, thanks for all our listeners that are listening as well. And and really, like uh, Eric said, this is just such an important topic to go over, and uh, one that I believe that's not gone over enough. And uh, the the question is, was Jesus Christ really God? And uh, you talk to any kind of, uh, whether they say that they're uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, um, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, really anybody that you talk to, even some uh, uh biblical Christians that say that they are Christians and that they uh, that they are saved and, and all that, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they don't really know the answer to this. And, and it's pretty scary, you know, and, and I truly believe that, that we're coming to the last days because we see just such a falling away uh, from any kind of biblical knowledge at all and what God says about certain subjects, and especially this one, again, was Jesus Christ really God? And again, this is a very important question, and the first thing you really need to get settled in your heart. Uh, now, before we start this study, the one thing that I want to ask you, and I want you to ask yourself, is this, is this one question. Do I believe that Jesus Christ was God? Now, the reason why I ask you this is because millions of so-called Christians believe that, like Eric said, was a great teacher or he was a great prophet, but they don't believe that he was God. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We're going to go to Mark chapter 8, and we're going to see a question here. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. And the Bible says, And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And this is really the question that we're asking today. I mean, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And in verse 28, And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. I mean, that sounds like today, you know, people are saying, Oh, he's just a good prophet. You know, he's just some other man. Uh, But look at what Jesus Christ says. Uh, This is the question that he asks, and this is the question that you need to ask yourself tonight, is verse 29. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth, and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. So the whole thing is, is that, you know, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Now, God wants to know who you believe Jesus Christ is. You know, he's not worried about the majority opinion. Uh, he wants you to answer this for yourself. Now, when you stand before God one day, you individually will give account of yourself. What your pastor believed or other church members believed, uh, it just won't matter. You know, all that will matter is what you did with Christ. Uh, uh, when I say that, what comes to mind is this saying that I, I love this quote, and uh, it goes like this, Soon a hundred years will pass. All that's done with Christ will last. And, you know, this, this topic is the most important to understand before you die and leave this earth. I mean, you have to get this settled, um, and, and God says you need to get this settled. And, and Jesus Christ asked you that question tonight, uh, who do you say that he is? And, uh, you know, I hope you'll have an open heart to this. You know, if, if um, you know, you have a certain, uh, you know, set already on what you believe on who Jesus Christ was and is, um, I pray that you'll just take one more chance tonight and give me the opportunity just to open up your Bible and uh, follow along with us. I mean, just sit back and have a good time and just say, you know, this because this, this Word of God is just amazing. I mean, the more I read this, the more I study it, even things that I've seen a million times, uh, it just never gets old. It's amazing. So again, uh, you need to answer this for yourself. So 
All right, let's get started here. Number one, does God word, God's word tell us that Jesus Christ was God? So turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and we'll see what, Jesus Christ, uh, what God says in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And the Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. I love how God says there that there's no controversy. I mean, he says there's no controversy that was God was manifest in the flesh. And God says if you read his word and you believe it, there's no controversy that God was manifest in the flesh. But now the question that you have to ask yourself is, uh, uh, if God truly did come down to this earth in human flesh, who was he and what was his name? And we'll find that out. Turn with me right now to John chapter 1, and we'll find out what God's name was and who he was when he came down onto this earth. John chapter 1. And the Bible says here in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first thing you have to notice here is that the W there is capitalized, which means it's a name. So in the beginning was the Word. So you see here that this is just like in uh, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So whoever this Word is, he was in the very beginning of the whole creation. And it says here, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this Word is God. Now let's keep going. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, talking about the Word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Now I'll go over to verse 10. He was in the world, again, talking about the, the, uh, the word, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Father full of grace and truth. So God was manifest in the flesh, we saw in 1 Timothy 3.16. Here we see that the word was God, um, that nothing that was made was made, everything was made by him. There wasn't anything that was made that wasn't, the, uh, that wasn't made by him. And it says in verse 14 here, and the word was made flesh. So we see here that the word is God in, in human flesh. And verse 15 here, it'll tell us who this word was. Verse 15, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that come af- cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And keep reading. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So right there, the context is that Jesus Christ was the word. All right. So it says right here that the word was God and that that word is Jesus Christ. So we see here that Jesus Christ is God. Now you say, well, I don't you know, really see that that's saying that's Jesus Christ. Well, go back up in the fifth, verse 15. We'll read it one more time. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, He's bearing witness of the word. This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So let's see who he was crying after that, that he's talking about here. Go to verse 29. Go over to verse 29. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. So we see here that, that uh, John the Baptist said that word, and that word is God, and that word is Jesus Christ, that he bear witness of him when he came. So you see here that the Bible plainly teaches that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And you see that all throughout scriptures. And, you know, so many people have a problem with that. And, and it's just sad to see because it's so plain. It's right there in the Bible. Now, um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. I mean, I remember the, for the first time when I read that, that was enough for me. Um, I saw, okay, you know, Jesus Christ is the Word and, and the Word is God. Well, let's keep going. Let's not stop there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Now, this is, uh, this is the angel of the Lord came to uh, Joseph because Joseph found out that uh, his fiancée, uh, Mary, was pregnant, and he never came unto her. And, uh, and right here, the angel came to him and said, you know, worry not. And he says here in verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him uh, his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her first son, firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So you see here that Emmanuel means God with us, and that name is Jesus Christ. So you see that Jesus Christ means it was God with us. So you, you see there that, that uh, the angel of the Lord told, told Joseph that, listen, Jesus Christ is going to be God with us. He's going to be God with us on this earth. Um, turn with me to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12 is close to the end of your Old Testament here. It's actually the uh, next to the last book of your Bible, uh, of your Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 12. And starting in verse 1, we've got to get a context here. Uh, who's speaking? That's the most important thing is when you're reading a passage, who is speaking? Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord. So hear the Lord speaking. Go to uh, verse 4. In that day, saith the Lord. So again, it's the Lord, God speaking. Verse 6, In that day will I. And then go down to verse 9. In and it shall come to pass in that day that I, again, this is God speaking, will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So here's God right here giving a prophecy. This is history that's not yet happened yet. This is something that's going to happen in the future. And God says that they're going to look upon uh, him. God said they're going to look upon him whom they have pierced. Now that person that had, was pierced was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. And, uh, and you'll see that. Go with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And again, to get the context, we'll start in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Behold, he, this is talking about Jesus Christ, this is the context, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall uh, wail because of him, even so, amen. So you see here that that uh, it's Jesus Christ fulfilling this prophecy because it is God manifest in the flesh. So you see how this all fits together, Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, Jesus Christ fulfills all the Old Testament uh, prophecies of his, of his death, burial, and resurrection, and it has to do also with him being God in human flesh. All right, now, number two, the first one, again, is, is God's Word tells us that Jesus Christ was God. Now, secondly, Jesus Christ is eternal. Uh, we saw in John chapter 1 there, uh, in verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word. So again, Jesus Christ was there at Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, because He is God. Now turn to 1 John chapter 1. And in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 1, the Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the Word of life. So there's that word again, Jesus Christ, God. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So you see here that, that Jesus Christ was manifested unto us, that he was in heaven uh, before he came down to this earth. He was with God. Now turn with me to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5 is also towards the, uh, towards the end of your Bible here. It's a few books past Daniel. Micah chapter 5, in verse 2, and this is another prophecy that's God, that God is giving out right now. And he says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So whoever this ruler is, he's going to come out of Bethlehem, of Judah. And notice right at the end of that uh, verse there, it says, uh, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So you see that word everlasting. That means that he never had a beginning and he's never going to have an end. So whoever this ruler is of, of Israel uh, has always been. Um, and, and we'll see that here. If you go over to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 2. Yeah, Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1 here. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. So you see here that Jesus Christ fulfills that prophecy. You see here that he was born in Bethlehem of Judea, exactly what uh, that verse in Micah said. You see here that uh, these wise men came and they said, uh, we come, uh, let's see here, saying, where is he, in verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So king of the Jews, he's the ruler of the Jews. And they knew that even when he was just a little baby in a manger. And it says right here, actually he was, he was probably about one or two years old at this time, but still a young child, they knew that he was going to be ruler. And it says, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now listen, they, they came because they knew that he was going to be king and ruler of the Jews. And, and you know, it's, if to worship somebody, 
uh, he has to be God. I mean, if you worship anybody else other than God uh, in the Old Testament, that uh, you, you cannot do that. So the whole thing is here is that Jesus Christ, again, fulfills that prophecy that he is from everlasting. He's that ruler of the Jews, and he's going to come back. You know, his first coming was that of a suffering Savior. The, his second coming is going to be that of he's going to set up the millennial kingdom here on this earth, and he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron, and he's going to uh, rule the Jews, and he's going to be king of them, and he's been from everlasting. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, we see this again. Jesus Christ comes back, like I said, and he, he is called King of kings and Lord of lords. So God says that Jesus Christ the king, is the king and the ruler of the Jews and that he's been from everlasting. And he says also that I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I mean, there was nothing before him and there's never going to be anything after him. And uh, listen, Jesus Christ claimed to be eternal when he said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 58, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You say, hey, well, what does that mean? Uh, well, turn with me to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. The thing you have to notice is that Jesus Christ said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham, I was, or, or something like that that states that he had a period in time where he was. Exodus chapter 3, and verse 13 and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So you see here that Jesus Christ claimed to be the eternal God of the Old Testament, of God Almighty, um, God of the universe. He claimed to be that I am. And, uh, I mean, that's why you had so many people that wanted to stone Jesus Christ is because they're like, this can't be God. You know, they didn't believe that, uh, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and they were just blinded. They couldn't understand that. You know, a lot of them just had these, these desires of, they liked how their, uh, ways were going there and their religion. And that's what you have a lot today. You know, people don't want to believe that Jesus Christ is God because they're just, uh, they're happy. They're content where they're at and they don't want to think about anything else, but don't reject Jesus Christ. Don't reject God. Just like these people did here. Uh, in uh, like these Pharisees did in John chapter 8. Now, uh, you know, again, so many people say, you know, he's a good teacher, he's, he's all this kind of stuff. Well, you see here that Jesus Christ claimed to be God. He claimed to be that I am of the Old Testament. And you see here, you say, well, you know, maybe it's a, he didn't really, you know, that name doesn't last forever and ever. Well, look at verse 15 of Exodus chapter 3. And it says, And God said moreover unto Moses, uh, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Well, that name that lasts forever is I Am. So you see here that Jesus Christ said that I Am, and God said that name never ends. That will always be his name. And uh, you see here that, again, Jesus Christ claimed to be, that, to be God. Now, there's no way, if you say that, you know, Jesus Christ was a good uh, teacher or he was a good prophet, how can you say that? I mean, how can he be a good teacher if he lies? I've never met a good teacher in my life that, that, that lies all the time like Jesus Christ did if he, you know, truly wasn't God and a prophet. I mean, how can he be a good prophet of God if you're saying yourself, you know, I'm equal with God or I am God if he really wasn't? Jesus Christ was God, and we saw that in the other verses that we said. God told us that he was in the, in the, in the uh, Bible, and also Jesus Christ is uh, backing that up. Now look also with me. So again, 
We have that Jesus Christ is God. We have that Jesus Christ is eternal. And thirdly, Jesus Christ also claimed that he was equal with God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. I hope you have a King James Bible tonight uh, because uh, pretty much every other Bible on the market likes to, like to fool with this verse. Um, and it's, uh, it's a real important verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So you see here that uh, the Word there is again. So you've got the Father, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And it says, these three are one. So the Bible says here that, that Jesus Christ is one. He's one. You know, Jesus, God is a, is a triune being. There's three parts of him. So you've got God the Father, you've got God the Holy Spirit, and you've got God... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son. And what that is, you've got a trinity. You've got three persons in one, but it's still one entity. Now, Jesus Christ backs this whole thing up in John chapter 10, verse 30, where he says, I and my Father are one. Now, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to see more on this. Jesus Christ claimed to be equal with God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to uh, the glory of God the Father. Now, I mean, you see here that Jesus Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God and one day in the future every single knee that has ever walked this earth will bow to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, every time I read that I just get excited because I know in my life, I have already bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've already said that, Lord, you are God Almighty, my Lord Jesus Christ. And I've accepted him as my Savior. I mean, for, for 2,000 years now, Jesus Christ has been mocked, ridiculed. But just to think that one day, all these people's mouths will be stopped. And the whole world will finally believe that Jesus Christ is God. Now, the only difference is that I have already gotten on my knees, like I've said. And I've gave honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ for saving my soul from hell. Now, these other souls, maybe it's you. I don't know. If you haven't bowed your knee and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is going to be you. These other souls here that have never accepted Jesus as their Savior will bow your knee before Jesus and say, I believe now, you know, don't send me to hell. But God will say, depart from me, you curse it into everlasting fire. I never knew you. I mean, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if, if you don't understand that he can save you from your sins because he is God, um, then, then he's going to say, listen, there's nothing else. That was the only way. And he's going to send you to hell. So again, we see here that Jesus Christ claimed to be equal with God. Fourthly, Jesus Christ had power over his own life and also over his own death. Now, Jesus Christ, again, because he is God, died on the cross for everyone in the whole world. John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank here on the, uh, one of the first verses I've ever learned. <laughs> So we're going to go to John 3.16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, the Bible says here that God loved the whole entire world that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Now, 
in uh, John chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, um, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now, uh, Jesus Christ did not die from the spear that was in his side. Uh, sometimes I hear that, and, and uh, you know, the Bible plainly states that he was dead even before uh, that spear even went into him. They were just trying to make sure that he was dead. Now, he died before that. When he died, he willingly gave up his own spirit. I mean, none of us can do that. None of us can say, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to die. I'm going to give up my spirit to you right now, and I'm going to give up the ghost as well. There is no way that we can do that. You know, there, God says that there's a time and a place for us to die, and uh, we have no idea when that time is going to be. And uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus Christ says, In my spirit, uh, I'm sorry, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I mean, he gave it up. He, he said, Father, right now, I'm just going to give it to you. So, you know, really when we say that, you know, these people killed Jesus Christ, they really didn't kill him. Um, from any, You know, he didn't die from any of those injuries that he had, uh, that he had taken on. Um, what he did was he just willingly gave his life up and he said, all right, it's finished. He said on that cross, it is finished. All the work that the father had me do, I have done. I lived a perfect sinless life for three, 33 and a half years. And, uh, and again, only God could do that. And, and he said, it's finished. And he gave up the ghost willingly. Um, but again, Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, only God has the power to raise himself from the dead. Uh, you know, he has the power to give up his life, and he has the power to rise himself up from the dead. I mean, nobody else would be able to do that, only Jesus Christ, and because he is God. And uh, the whole thing is, like I've said before, I'm asking you right now and I'm pleading with you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, you really need to get that established today. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, uh, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. You know, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from every single sin, past, present, and future that we've ever committed. And uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 20, and we'll see more about this blood. Acts chapter 20. Jesus Christ spilled this blood on the cross. And uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The Bible says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he, again, talking about God, hath purchased with his own blood. So you see here that, that the Bible, that God in this book, says that God himself has, has uh, purchased us, uh, the church, anybody that's accepted Christ as their Savior, he's purchased us with his own blood. So he's saying that Jesus Christ on that cross was God, that it was his own blood that purchased us. Now again, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now I say this to so many people all the time, and it's pretty surprising. Sometimes I get people that say, well, how did, you know, what's the glory of God? And I say that's, you know, we've all fallen short of heaven, which is the glory of God, because we've sinned. And, you know, they, sometimes they say, well, how do you know the glory of God is heaven? Well, let me show you. Second Peter chapter 1. 
Don't take my word for it. Go, go to the Bible here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And it says here, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. So here we see the glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So you see here in verse 17 and 18, it's called first the excellent glory, and then also it's called heaven. So you see here that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That glory of God is heaven. And, you know, because the Bible says that we've fallen short of God, um, we can't get to heaven. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Now this is talking about here not just the physical death, but it's the second death. And that's the uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, where it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Listen, because of your sin, the wages, the things you receive because of your sin is, is death and hell. And, and the Bible says that because of your sin, you deserve that. Now, the whole reason why God came down from heaven, I mean, the Bible talks about um, him being up there. Uh, though he was rich, yet he became poor uh, for us. I mean, we can become rich now because we can know for sure that we're going to heaven if we accept his finished payment on that cross. I mean, you think about it. Here, Jesus Christ, the eternal God, was up in heaven and uh, never felt any pain. You know, and, and just never, just, you know, the, the whole thing of just thinking about the eternal God coming down and doing that for us, for just a bunch of sinners, is just amazing to me that he would come down and do that, you know. And, and, uh, and he lived a perfect sinless life while he was down here, like I said before. And that's all, the only thing that God could ever do. Uh, if you look in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus Christ, there was no sin in him. But our sin is laid upon him on that cross if we accept him as our Savior. Now he died and he was buried and he rose again the third day so that he could forgive your sins. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Turn there for me, with me real quick. Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. You know, we, you talk to so many different people, so many different religions. You say, what are you going to do about your sin? You know, uh, you know, before you tell me about your religion, what are you going to do? You're a sinner. What are you going to do about your sin? If you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing you can do about your sin. Mark chapter 2, in verse 7, says, Why did this man uh, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? So it says right here that God is the only one that could ever forgive sins. Now, uh, look up in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So, you see here that Jesus Christ said, All right, you know, your sins are forgiven. And then down here in verse 7, they couldn't believe it. They're like, there's no way. You know, only God could do that. Well, look down in verse 10. It says, But they ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Um, he saith to the sick of the palsy. So you see here that Jesus Christ can forgive any sins on this earth. Any sins that you commit, past, present, and future, can be uh, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now my question to you is, have you accepted Jesus Christ's free gift of salvation? Jesus was and still is God, and he wants to save, you, uh, save your soul from hell. You know, the Bible says uh, in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Um, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, to go to heaven, you have to understand you're a sinner. Again, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You have to repent of your sins, which means to have a, a change of heart uh, from those sins that separate you from God and, and uh, are destined you to hell. And you turn from those sins and you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And again, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you believe that Jesus Christ was God and is God and came down on this earth, died for you and was buried and rose again the third day, and he's up there waiting for you to accept him. If you believe that in your heart, that you can go to heaven if you accept him as your Savior, and only that, no works that you could ever do, he'll do it. You just pray to him and say, Lord, I believe all this. You know, and you tell him that you believe it all. And you say, Lord, please save me from my sins and take me to heaven. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I pray that, you know, you listen to this podcast tonight, that you really pray about it. I mean, if you're, if you're not saved, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, 100% for sure, I pray and plead to you that you'll get that figured out tonight and you won't go to sleep until you search the scriptures um, because in them you think you have eternal life. Listen, the Bible tells you you can know that you can have eternal life and it's only through the Lord and God, Jesus Christ. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, thanks, Matt. Amen. Well, I, a lot of scripture there. I think you uh, covered it pretty well. Amen. I don't think there's any, any doubt about who Jesus Christ was and, and uh, claimed to be. You know, that reminds me of something um, very early on when I was um, being witness to. And, and you know, God brings different people into your, into your life along the way. And, and one of the folks that um, was witnessing to me actually gave me a book. It's called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Mm-hmm. And even though that some of the you know the Bible uh, quotations aren't King James, the thrust of the book is really pretty good because one mm-hmm. of the th- one of the things it does is it it says you know historically there's there's no nobody doubts that Jesus Christ was a historical figure yeah there's no doubt about it there's more evidence for Jesus Christ historical evidence for Jesus Christ having existed than there is for you know Julius Caesar so. And no one's going to doubt that with you. The 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 real crux of the the matter is who Jesus Christ was, mm-hmm. and and the book lays out. It gives you the argument: Lord, liar, lunatic. It says that he either was who he said he was, which is God manifest in the flesh, and those verses and and instances that Matt has shown you today. <clears throat> he was the Lord, or he was lying knew he wasn't God, but was just deceiving everybody, was just a crook and lying about it. Yeah. Or he was a lunatic. He was insane. You know, <laughs> Thought he was God, believed he was God, but wasn't really. He was just nuts. So, I mean, if you, if you ha- spend any time studying the Bible and Christianity at all, you know that the liar and the lunatic argument, they don't hold up. He had too many people around him. There were too many witnesses you know, as the Bible says, this thing wasn't done in a corner. There, there mm-hmm. were too many witnesses to what happened and, and to his life and existence. And, you know, the, the reason he was crucified and killed is not because he was nuts. He would have been a threat to them. Um, he, he claimed to be God. And, and the Jews, 
because of that, um, crucified him, and be also because of the following that he was getting as well. Yeah. Um, and on several occasions, he came right out and said it. You know, someone once said to me, "Well, you know, those are things that are written about him. He doesn't really come out anywhere in the Bible and say he's God." <laughs> well, in John chapter four, verse, um, let's see. Verse uh, 25, this is uh, Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So she's saying, you know, I know that Messiah is coming. And verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. That's... that's, that's uh, pretty straightforward witness you know about who he who he's saying he is also in the book of just this one last verse in the book of mark chapter 14 this is when jesus is brought before the high priest and uh, they're questioning him and uh again he says it here pretty plainly mark chapter 14 and we'll look at verse 61 you've got the uh High priest, but he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? 62. And Jesus said, I am. Amen. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And notice the high priest's reaction. 63. (laughs) Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we? Any further witnesses? You know, so he he directly says, "Yes, I am the Messiah. I am, I am, I am God." So, Amen. Amen. You 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 have that argument faced to you have to face today. He was either who he said he was, the Lord, or he was lying or a lunatic. And okay. really, be, there's no way you can come across and 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 think that those other two are, are valid. He what he did not claim to be a good prophet he did not claim to be just another good guy he claimed to be god so amen and as matt said we all have to decide was he or wasn't he and what you that decision that you make it hangs your eternal soul in the balance amen well you know matt was some of the things that you were saying there uh struck a chord with me there there's a group out there and probably more than what we what we think that uh, believe that Jesus Christ was a created God. Yeah. Uh, they go to John chapter 1. You know, a lot of the new Bibles change this. John chapter 1, verse 18. Um, oh, I had it in my brain here just a second ago, and I lost it. So um, get it here. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let me turn my Bible. <laughs> I feel embarrassed doing this. Hey, I did it earlier. Uh, I know. <laughs> John 3, there it 16. is. <laughs> no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God is what the new Bibles say, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him, hmm. showing that there's two gods. But, of course, the way the verse reads, uh, literally, or not literally, but the way it reads in the King James, there hath no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Uh, you know, so they try to they create a, a separate God. And one of the things that you said, you were talking about uh, uh, the instance there where, where the Jews were saying, who can forgive sin but God only? Yeah. Uh, the reason why they said that is because that's a direct quote from the Old Testament. And it, 
I don't have that verse. I have the verse, uh, the, the, the location of it. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. But the peculiar thing about that is in speaking of that verse, it's, it's speaking of Jehovah himself. Yeah. And, and so they understood when Jesus Christ said that, that he was making himself to be God because he could forgive sin. Well, there's a couple other occasions where that, that kind of thing takes place um, in, uh, in regards to the Creator. You have a verse in Isaiah uh, 42, verse 5. It says, Thus saith God, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is Jehovah, he that createth the heavens and stretched them out, he that spreadeth forth the earth, that which uh, cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, the spirit to them that walk therein. It also says in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 11, says, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker, uh, which is a reference to Jesus Christ, and his maker, uh, asketh me of, uh, of things to come, uh, concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. In verse 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. Now, if you go to Colossians chapter 1, uh, of course, the Old Testament is talking about Jehovah. Now we're talking about Jesus Christ. And it says, uh, who is the image, talking about Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist." Uh, the verse that you went over in John chapter 1, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ takes on the identity of Jehovah. So when you read about Jehovah in the Old Testament, you're reading about Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Just one more example. There's a few other things, but just one more example on that. It says that every knee should bow down to him. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 45, it says, uh, oh, I think around verse 22, somewhere around there, it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return that unto me every knee should bow, shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. In that context, if you look up, I think it's around verse 21, it says, Have not I the Lord, talking about spoken these things, and that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So he's talking about the Lord, Jehovah, and that every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess. And of course, you read the verse in Philippians chapter 2, Verses 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, you know, we, we talk about, you know, them being separate. They are separate personages, but they're one God. So for Jesus Christ to claim that he is Jehovah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Amen. And uh, he is God manifest in the flesh. And, uh, of course, you started out with that verse there in, in, in Timothy. And, uh, you know, so you know, when we deal with the one that can save us, for God so loved the world that he's gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We probably we would do as well to take heed to that. Uh, as you finished up, which rightly so, uh, one day you're either going to stand before the Lord God Jehovah, which is Jesus Christ sitting on the throne, read Revelation chapter 1, and you're going to give an account to him. And uh, hopefully you've made him your savior. And... Uh, when you stand before him, he'll allow you to go into heaven. Um, but if he's not, if he's not your savior, he's going to be your judge and he's going to cast you into hell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you need to get that thing settled. Mm-hmm. You know, we implore you here at, at That's in the Bible that, you know, don't put that thing off. How can you escape if you neglect so great salvation? You know, God loved you so much that he provided his son as Matt has well put, you need to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. That's in the Bible. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm more and more, the more I read the Bible, the more, <laughs> the more you, you find Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Absolutely. And uh, that's one of the points that I think that James Knox made when we heard him preach a couple of weeks ago is that uh, he's all through all through it you know and it's just amazing how that book ties in you know all dovetails together you can't I mean you can't say enough about Jesus Christ you know I mean I love first uh, Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2 where Paul says for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified I mean it's just such a blessing to get a, uh, get along with a bunch of Christians and get together with them but man, to hear about Jesus Christ from their life, you know, and just uplifting him above everything else is just amazing. Amen. Well, the problem with uh, mankind is that he thinks everything is about himself. Yeah. And it's not about him, it's about the Lord. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. And the sooner we get that thing figured out, the better off we're going to be. Whether you're saved or lost, you need to realize it's all about Jesus Christ. Amen. God wants to exalt his son, and he will. And one of the best ways we can exalt the Son is by trusting Him as our personal Savior. So, one word admonition, trust God as your Savior before it's eternal. Amen. And it looks like we're ending at right the right time because, Steve, we're starting to lose you on Skype there a little bit. Uh, All righty. All right. All right, guys. Well, Lord willing, next time we'll be getting together for episode 21. Have a good, uh, have a good week. Amen. Amen. Have a good one, guys. In the skies, we're going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of
production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.